Hey, you're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, episode 93, brought to you by Vessi Seeds and Savers Gardening Products. Uh, it's just me today here in the uh, studio, <laughs> my, my office where I edit my videos and stuff. And uh, I thought I would uh, do an episode today where I circle back a little bit and speak to some main points and focus a little bit more on the two kinds of questions I tend to get the most from people uh, and expand on my answer to them to the best of my ability over the course of, you know, 35 minutes this is going to be, give or take. Uh, The first question I tend to get is, my soil is no good. Uh, How do I fix it? (laughs) I'm, I'm paraphrasing, right? It's always something like this. My soil is all sand. My soil is all clay. My soil is all rocks. Nothing grows in my soil. My soil is no good. Um, and the other question is, and, and I usually, some part of my answer involves mulch. <laughs> so I talk a lot about mulch and I use mulch everywhere in my garden, in my vegetable garden. So uh, the, the question always comes up, what's the best mulch? And there's also the kind of question about uh, you know, is that mulch safe? Can you trust this mulch? What about that mulch? Is, is it okay? You know, all this uh, fear about different kinds of mulches. So I wanted to expand on those two themes today in this podcast and give you something to chew on and uh, go over some things I've said before. But uh, coming at it, you know, when you, when you answer a question more than once, you tend to refine your answer to it and rethink it a little bit. So uh, I wanted to speak that a little bit. So let's first talk about soil. When someone says, my soil's no good. Um, When we think about a garden, think about a successful garden. You want to have a successful garden, a successful vegetable garden. Regardless of how much time and energy you put into it, you want the the rewards, right? You want the carrots, you want the potatoes, you want the lettuce, you want the kale, whatever it is you prize. Right, whether it's uh, just a, a relatively small uh, plot, or uh, uh, what's the term they tend to use in uh, in, in in England and uh, in, in uh, the UK allotment, right, uh, where you're just growing some you know some some food for yourself, things that you like, or if you have a huge garden, you're trying to grow as much uh, food as possible to uh, either for the sake of just getting really good quality food, or to save money, or, or what have you. Um, there's really three things you need. To have success in that goal, uh, you need to have sun, you need to have water, and you need to have good soil, really good soil. And the first of these, the sun, you don't have a lot of control over that. Um, you know, depending on the latitude you live at, the length of day is going to be affected. Depending on where you live and the weather conditions, like like where I live, it tends to be foggy and overcast a lot. So I don't get as even though the sun's up. It's really, it's blocked by all this fog and clouds and stuff like that. So it's a challenge. I can't do anything about that. Um, you know, if you've got a big tree or something like that, you can remove some branches, um, maybe cut down a tree to get some more, you know, the trees blocking your light. That's something you can do. Um, if your neighbor's house is in the way, you can't blow the neighbor's house out, right? You're kind of stuck with your neighbor's house. So um, the sun's one of those things you really, there's not a lot you can do about the sun other than move, right? Go somewhere that's sunnier. Um, the water, that's a relatively easy thing to fix, assuming you live somewhere where you can just turn on a tap and there's water. If you've got a good well, that's reliable. Um, you know, I, I tend to use a um, mulch a lot in, in my garden to help the soil retain water. And there's a whole number of reasons why that works. And we'll get into that today. 
Um, but even if for whatever reason you didn't want to do that, you can use drip irrigation or you can just stand around with a watering hose or you can hook up a sprinkler. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can solve availability of water. I mean, plants need water and that's an easy one to solve. You don't have to be a genius to solve it. Um, but the soil, right, that is a whole nother thing. And really we use the word soil. I mean, sun means sun and water means water. But soil doesn't, soil means a lot of things, right? When we say soil, that's a catch-all term that, that conveys a, a very uh, complicated meaning. There's a lot of things going on with soil. <clears throat> like you've got the structure of the soil, you know, uh, sand, clay, uh, rocks, uh, organic matter, things of that nature, right? There's, a, there's the structure of the soil, how, what proportions of those things the soil has, or how much... Uh, worm castings and all that sort of stuff, right? And that can affect a lot of other things. Um, there's the level of nutrients in the soil, right? All that, that balance of nutrients, right? Your NPK, your, uh, you know, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. That's the K. I don't know, potassium, why it should be called cotassium or something. Um, there's more to, to the nutrient balance in soil than just those three things, of course, right? I mean, we tend to look at those things, and that's what you buy to put on your lawns. And we wonder people are always uh, fighting and putting all this time and energy into their lawn. They simplify the needs of the grasses on their lawn to three things, when most living things that are growing need more than just those three things, right? There's, there's other things. There's calcium, and sulfur, and boron, and iron, and magnesium, and the list goes on and on, right? There's lots of different elements, lots of different chemical compounds and such um, that your plants need and they need them also broken down into forms they can take up. But your plants need that whole rich, complex variety of things when they need it. That's soil, right? There's also the, uh, the qualities of the soil, right? So, you know, is it, uh, is it loose? You know, can, can the plants, uh, how well can the plants get their roots down into that soil and, and you know, sort of find their way, fan out? Um, so they can gather those new, I mean, if your soil has nutrients and uh, clay is a, a perfect example, it's a nutrients, it's mineral rich, it's nutrients dense, dense sort of thing. But can the plant get its roots into the clay, right? It's not loose. It tends to be uh, tend for tough, hard, right? Hard packed clay sort of thing. That's a problem. Um, so is it loose or is it compacted? Because that really matters. That's a quality that matters. And if you have good soil, it's loose, it's soft, right? You all know when you feel it, it's dark and it's loose and moves around easily and you move it with your fingers. Um, and there's a reason why it has that structure, why good soil has that structure, which we'll get into. Um, but there's also how well it retains water. So also how well it accepts water. So you can think of something like sand. You have a bucket of sand, you throw water on it, the water goes, just disappears into it. So it takes up water or water penetrates sand very easily. But it just goes, it just goes right through the sand. <laughs> Doesn't hang on to water very well, right? Your your ideal soil has um, a sponge-like quality to hold on to water, but um, also the quality of being able to take it on and absorb it and so on. So it holds on. It, it takes water up very easily. It absorbs it very easily and holds on to it very well, right? So. There's that aspect of soil. So when someone says my soil is no good, uh, I don't necessarily always know what 
they're talking about because it, it could be any one of those things. You could be, it could be nitrogen deficient and everything else could be fine. Or it could have a fantastic uh, balance of nutrients, um, but the structure of it's just no good, right? Or they could have perfect soil and there's just no sun <laughs> or something like that, right? Or for whatever reason, there's no water, right? So it's really difficult to know and it's a hard thing to, to figure out. Um, now, I mean, there's, there's things you can do to figure, but that, that is where your energy is best spent in trying to figure out what your soil needs and improving on the soil. That, that's, that's, that's where you can make the biggest difference in the outcomes you're seeing in the garden by improving on your soil. And so that begs the question, well, how do I do that? Because I've just explained how complicated of a system it is. And I haven't even mentioned all the living things that are in soil, right? Um, and there's a balance there too that, that's sort of optimal for growing things, uh, at least uh, in terms of uh, if you're gonna have a no-till garden at least. Um, so someone says, my soil's no good. Uh, how do we go about figuring out how to get that soil to where it needs to be, to have all of that right balance of qualities, right balance of nutrients, right structure and all that sort of stuff. And uh, you can get a soil test and you can do a bunch of reading and you can become an expert on soil. Um, or you could leave that up to the experts. And for me, the experts aren't people. <laughs> We can do it. We're smart. We're human beings are pretty darn smart and we can figure out, um, we can do a pretty good job of figuring out what you need to put in the soil to make it productive and from a, from an agricultural point of view. Of, of course we do, uh, you know, conventional agriculture sort of runs on that notion. Um, but there's other things that are arguably better at it than us because they do it in a more efficient way. They take, uh, you know, the requirements are relatively simple. And I'm talking about the soil organisms, of course, right? The things that live in your soil, the things that um, take inputs and uh, break them down into smaller constituent parts that are in a form that your plants can take up. Um, I thought I'd give an analogy here. If you had a piece of land, let's say you had a piece of land, you put in a, a lawn and you put a driveway next to the lawn, gravel driveway. Let's say you put your gravel floor, it's just thick, four inches deep, six inches deep, let's say. You put in a gravel driveway and uh, the gravel driveway, there's nothing growing in it because it's just rocks. And anyone that's ever had a gravel driveway knows it doesn't stay like that. No matter, you know, uh, if you wait long enough, at least in like where I live, where it's, you know, it's, it's relatively, uh, it's not a dry place. We tend to get, uh, you know, we have rain this time of year, we have rain all the time and we have rain in the spring and, and uh, relatively speaking, we, in the summer we have more rain than most people tend to have. Um, that rocky rectangle, that's what a driveway is, right? <laughs> Eventually, you're going to get weeds growing in that driveway. And over time, even though it's just rocks, basically you think of your driveway as a garden, the worst garden in the world. It's a rock, it's just a pile of rocks, right? You, you've, you've, in terms of providing a soil, for things to grow and you've provided the worst soil there is just rocks, not even sand. It's rocks, right? Rocks become sand, but you just got rocks. You leave that long enough. Various tenacious weed seeds are going to find their way in there. Um, things are going to blow in. Leaves are going to fall out of the sky. Little dandelion seeds are going to find their way down. Little flecks of this and that pollens all get dust. 
all kinds of things are going to find their way uh, onto the driveway. They're going to find their way down through the rain, through the rocks, to where the rocks, whatever the rocks are sitting on, whatever that was, usually where I live, it's clay. And some weed seeds are going to nestle their way down into that, and they're going to have the conditions, and they're going to grow. And those weed seeds are going to become weeds. Phone's ringing, of course. Um, and uh, there we go. <laughs> Those weeds are going to grow, they're going to, going to put out uh, foliage, and that foliage is going to die. Uh, the root structure that those weeds created is going to break down and become organic matter, and more weed seeds are going to grow in that area. Right? If you have a driveway, you do this, I wouldn't recommend doing this, but as an experiment, when you mow your lawn, break up a bit of the grass and just throw it somewhere on your driveway. Uh, I guarantee you in a year, where you threw that grass is going to be uh, just a pile of weeds. <laughs> Right, because you're changing the structure of that part of your driveway garden from being just rocks to having some organic matter which is going to break down. Right? So right there you can observe the kind of process you can have working in your garden. I mean if you can get weeds to grow in a driveway which is just rocks, then if you've got a lousy garden in terms of the existing soil, you can improve upon that. Right? Um, and all you're doing is just using the process that has been working in nature since this whole thing began, right? You've got all kinds of organisms that live in the soil. Fungi, bacteria, protozoa, and larger things. And um, what am I missing here? Oh, things like worms, you know, like uh, more complex organisms like worms and things like that. Things moving around. Bugs insects, ants, all these different things that are living in that, right? We just look at, oh, it's dirt, it's on the ground. No, that is a, a high-rise. <laughs> it's full of, full of uh, tenants, right? And all kinds of things live in there, and they all have different agendas. Um, and uh, they're just trying to get by. And if there's an abundance of organic matter on top of the soil, the way you would see in a, in a forest, Right? All of those things know exactly what to do with all of that, and they all just gradually you know, turn. We, we use the term breaking down. We'll say the organic matter breaks down. Well, it doesn't break down. It's broken down by things. Just like um, um, you, uh, when you eat some lettuce, um, the lettuce goes in your mouth and <laughs> comes out other parts of your body, right? <laughs> so you're breaking it down because you're chewing the lettuce, right? You're making it smaller. And it's going in your gut and there's all kinds of bacteria and stuff in your gut and that's breaking it down, right? And then it's going to find its way through you and there's more stuff going on, right? It's going to be, certain parts of it are going to be taken out. Your liver's going to work on some of that. Some liquid's going to come out of you that's different than the liquid that went in, right? And there's some solids that are going to come out of you that are different from the solids that went in. Right? You're breaking that all. And then after all that stuff comes out of you, it's going to continue to be broken down by other things that make use of that stuff. That's the process that's happening with every single one of those living in different ways. I mean, you're, you're much more complicated than, uh, you know, a bacteria or a fun, fungi. Um, but still, there's something going in. There's something coming out. <laughs> it's the same process, right? And every, at every stage of that process, in your soil, the nutrients that, or the potential nutrients that are in the unbroken down matter are becoming more and more refined 
into forms that plants can take up through their roots. And that's the magic, right? So I laid out this complicated problem. What does my soil need? How do I solve it? And so on and so forth. You don't have to solve it. <laughs> All you got to do is provide the inputs that those living things need to go about their business and they will solve it for you. I think this is one of the biggest missing pieces um, in people's understanding of what's needed to develop a garden. Somehow we've been convinced that we are the ones that need to solve the needs of the plants. That there's three things plants need and all these other things really don't matter that much. Um, and somehow we're the ones that are supposed to provide those things. And when you look at natural systems existing in nature, we're not part of the equation at all, <laughs> right? You've got uh, all kinds of different things living above the soil, all kinds of living things living below the soil, and things growing in the soil. And over time, the things that are growing in the soil get what they need through the roots because of this large ongoing process of the things that are above the soil falling to the ground, breaking down and finding their way into the soil and getting taken up by the roots of the things that are growing in the soil. Right? That goes on without us just about everywhere on the planet except where we try to grow things. And somehow we get in there and we think we can do a better job of it. And, and we are clever and we can, you know, we can do a pretty good job. But we don't, it's work we don't need to do. <laughs> if you understand how that natural system works, we don't have to do any work. We can just let nature take its course and we can just be like a steward of that process. We can just help to provide it what it needs. And so if you're trying to figure out how to improve your soil, um, you know, most people, if they have really poor soil, like if it's all clay or if it's all sand, it's probably just lacking in organic matter. Um, you can mulch that and over time that soil will gradually become um, more organic in nature. There will be more organic matter in it and also just more of the things that are the result of organic matter breaking down. Um, but really I think if you were in, in that bad, uh, you know, if your soil was like that, I think at least in the first year, um, the, uh, the quickest way to get your soil um, moving <laughs> is to provide some already pre-broken down organic matter, uh, something that's been run through a horse or a cow or, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so get some manure. I mean, manure is just grass and things like that that have been already broken down a little bit, right? I mean, if, if you had a, a, you know, a big pile of grass and let that sit for a couple of years, it would, it would compost, right? You could also use compost, right? Just manure tends to be a, a cheaper form of compost and there's all these different arguments. Does it have deworming in it? Does it have this chemical in it? What chemicals were in the grass that that cow ate, that that horse ate, all that sort of stuff. That's all stuff you have to look into, check your local laws, talk to the person you're getting it from and make sure it's okay. Um, I, I've, never, uh, I've never worried about it. It's never been a problem for me, but perhaps I've just been lucky. Um, but after you've done that, you don't need to keep doing it. I mean, you know, I remember growing up where every year you'd get a truckload of manure and every year that'd be rototilled into the gut. Every year that process is being repeated over and over again. Uh, and that's partly because of the fact that the way my parents would have gardened, they didn't have uh, mulch on top of it. So uh, a lot of the, that, that nutrient balance in that soil would be lost because there wasn't a cover over. You, you have to keep, you have to water the soil way more often. 
a lot of those nutrients are getting washed away by all that extra water you're putting. I mean, you get a certain amount of annual rainfall on the soil, but if you're watering your garden, you're doubling, tripling, quadrupling the annual rainfall. In a sense, you're making rain, right? Uh, so your soil can't hang on to those nutrients when it's being rained on that much. <laughs> Think about it that way, right? Um, if you have a mulch in your soil, you don't need to water it nearly as often. Um, so the nutrients will stick around a lot more and also be by virtue of there being a mulch, there's a perpetual supply of new, new nutrients being made by the organisms of the soil from the very thing you're using to retain the water in your soil. So it, it dovetails so nicely and it's such an easy, elegant, and unbelievably cheap solution to the problem of building a soil. Um, you can improve a soil by just adding mulch, of course, um, but it's going to take time. It's not going to happen immediately. Um, because it, it's going to take a while. Think about, you know, if you put three inches of mulch on a soil and it, and it all breaks down over the course of a season, you might be getting an eighth of an inch or a quarter inch of actual organic matter being added to that soil. So it's not a lot, right? Um, so if you want to kickstart things, you work some organic matter into that soil right away. Then start adding your mulch. Um, that brings us to the next topic. Uh, what's the best mulch? And uh, I've answered this lots of times and lots of people that are uh, heavy mulch system gardeners, no-till gardeners uh, will say they're, you know, oh, I don't know, I can't say lots of them, but uh, I wouldn't go at gathering mulch with that concept in mind. Um, they all work. They all break down. I mean, if you think about the soil organisms, the things that are breaking down the mulch and turning it into... Um, the nutrients your plants need. Uh, all of those organisms are a cheap date in so far as all they like is all they want for a dinner is meat and potatoes and every kind of mulch is meat and potatoes <laughs> sort of thing. So you know whatever that thing is it's gonna go in and out of those organisms. Right? It's gonna be it's going to break down and they're gonna turn it into something that your plants can use. <clears throat> some mulches break down faster than others like I found uh, grass clippings break down faster than you know um, wood chips for instance I find uh, uh, hay breaks down faster than straw um, I find seaweed can break breaks down very fast especially if you mix seaweed in with certain things uh, it, it breaks down really fast it gets really hot um, so it's a better mulch in so far as uh, like something like uh, grass clippings or seaweed, they're a better mulch in so far as they break down very quickly and they provide a lot of nutrients very quickly. But it's not a good mulch in the sense that you have to keep replacing it because it's breaking down so fast. Right? You put uh, two inches of hay on the ground, it'll just be gone after a few months. Um, whereas other things that are, are more, uh, you know, have a greater ratio of carbon in them, uh, certain uh, leaves, you know, especially brown, you know, tree leaves, pine needles, wood chips, right? Those things take a lot longer to break down because they don't have that same carbon-nitrogen mix. And so they're not going to feed your soil at the same rate. They're not going to provide the nutrients as quickly. Um, but they're also going to stay on the top a lot longer. Um, some of those things, uh, wood chips in particular, and, and, and leaves out as well. I mean, leaves are kind of like wood chips. They're just really fine wood chips, and they have a bit more um, nutrients in them, really. Um, they do a better job of helping the soil stay moist, retaining moisture retention, which is important because you need water, right? You need sun, water, and all the things that are in soil and good soil. Um, so the notion of best mulch, I mean, every mulch has 
pluses and minuses, right? I mean, the mulches that break down quick are, are good for increasing the nutrient um, content of your soil quickly, but you got to bring them in more often and you got to replace them more often and they're not necessarily as good as retaining uh, moisture in the soil. The ones that sort of stay there a long time, uh, they can be really good at retaining the moisture levels in your soil, um, but they may not providing nutrients at the same rate, although they still are. Uh, but in addition to all of that, the notion of driving out of town, driving far afield, paying money for different kinds of mulches is just, it's so counterintuitive to the, uh, to the sustainability element of being a permaculture gardener, right? Um, and just my own internal cheapness. Um, it doesn't, I mean, basically if you're driving a long way to get your mulch, then one of your inputs for your garden is gasoline or diesel fuel or oil, <laughs> right? Because you're using it to get that thing to the garden. Um, so if that matters to you, that doesn't matter to you and whatever, but if that matters to you, um, you know, you want to bring that down as much as possible. So that's why I tend to, you know, I used to get um, uh, spoiled uh, hay from a stable just down the road here because it was there all the time and it was really close by and it was good stuff and I liked it. And I could sort of get it whenever I want, so it's very convenient. It's just down the road. Um, but that stable seems to have uh, scaled back its operation considerably, and I just can't get that anymore. So I've switched to something else that's sort of convenient and available, and that's just bags of leaves, bags of yard waste that people leave on the side of the road to be picked up by the city. Uh, I drive through, um, you know, basically residential areas on my way to work every day. I, it's gasoline I have to burn anyway to get to where I make money because I don't. This doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, I have to drive through that area anyway. So I'm, I'm basically turning that, that, that pointless commute. <laughs> Commute's a waste of time. I like to listen to a podcast or something like that, but I'd, I'd rather not be uh, driving for uh, you know an hour and a half every day. So I turn that pointless uh, waste of time and, and fuel and, and you know that sort of thing into a scavenge, scavenging uh, event where I'm looking for resources to improve my garden. So at least I, I feel like I've done something uh, productive with that time. Um, so I use whatever I can find. Um, I use, it's mostly leaves that people have raked up. Where I live uh, near the city of Halifax, there's tons of trees. You fly over Halifax, it looks like a forest with a bunch of houses in it. Um, trees everywhere and most of those trees are uh, deciduous trees with leaves so right now um, especially now because the leaves are start really starting to fall now I'm going to expect um, there to be a lot of leaves bagged up really soon um, so I gather a lot of leaves um, but also people will uh, mow their lawn and rake up the grass I mean it's not really you should use a mulching blade and just leave the grass where it lies and let that grass feed your grass but a lot of people don't do that they bag up the grass so I take that too. I love lawn clipping. Grass clippings are highly underrated mulch. Uh, I've seen the results in my garden. Uh, I should have done a video on it. Maybe I will if there's still time. But any kale garden, and I got I had two where I used two different approaches this year. Any kale garden where, um, let's say around the middle of July, I put an inch of grass clippings over the soil in between the kale. Uh, after about a week or so, you start noticing that kale being different from the other kale that's growing with different kinds of mulch. Uh, green grass clippings thrown, because kale loves nitrogen, right? Um, just takes about a week or so and you, you'll see the difference. 
um, that kale will pick up. It'll start the, the color of it, the greenness of it, the size of it, it'll outgrow. Um, there's huge advantages to putting a, a bit of grass clippings down on, on kale partway through a season. Um, but I just use whatever I can get my hands on. And, uh, you know, if I can't get my hands on anything, I'll just mow my lawn. And, and instead of leaving the, the grass um, on the lawn, I'll, I'll, I'll rake it up and use it on my garden. I mean, you think about uh, a lawn. A lawn is a garden. It's just a kind of stupid garden that you grow grass on. Right? It's, it's the most frivolous garden. It's, you know, my lawn is at least as large as my vegetable garden. So you think about the, the decent soil that's available on my property, half of it's devoted to growing this green stuff that I have no use for really. Um, so by using it as a mulch, at least I'm using it to do something and I'm getting something, I'm turning that grass into kale or into pumpkins or whatever, at least I'm getting something out of it. Um, but people have asked me, um, aren't you worried about, uh, you know, when you're getting bags of grass and leaves and stuff like that, aren't you worried about having pesticides on it, aren't you worried about it having herbicides on it, that sort of thing. Um, uh, personally, I don't worry about it, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, um, I, I think there's a risk of that being the case. Certainly leaves. I mean, who's, who's spraying their trees? Uh, I'm sure I'll get some comment. I know that this guy, you know, whatever. But I mean, who goes around spraying maple trees with um, herbicides? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. So certainly the leaves, I, I, don't, I don't worry about it in the slightest. But even the lawn grass, um, you know, it's pretty, you know, I, I don't know what the incidence of people using like Roundup or whatever on their lawn is. I imagine it's pretty low. I think the risk of that being the case of having a heavily treated lawn grass raked up and put in a bag that I just happen to pick up on the day I'm driving by that person's house randomly. Um, the risk of that happening and being one of the bags I gather on that day is so slim. I don't worry about it. It's, the risk of me having a car accident on the way to that is much greater, I would, I would guess. But even if you were worried about that, maybe you live in a place where everybody uses that stuff or it's totally legal and it's, it's just a ubiquitous thing. Um, I think you'd be safest if you, um, you sort of scope out your area and you get a sense of, of who's treating their lawn and who isn't. You, you can kind of tell uh, for the most part because people with uh, sort of weedy lawns <laughs> probably not treating their lawn. Um, so, uh, and I, where I live, uh, for the most part, I mean, for every 20 people, you got one guy with a golf green and everybody else just has a lawn with dandelions and clover and grass like mine. Uh, so you stay away from that golf green guy, right? He's probably doing something. Uh, I don't even think you're allowed to use, uh, uh, certain kinds of like glyphosate. I don't think you can use it for, uh, cosmetic uses here. Um, but I know people do it anyway. They just, they get it online. They go out in the middle of the night and spray it on dandelions and stuff like that. Um, but those are very rare here. So I, I just don't worry about it. But yeah, if it's, if it's something you're worried about where you are, just make note of who's got the weedy lawns. <laughs> Probably not treated with anything. Um, and even if it has been, um, very unlikely, but if it has, uh, most of these things break down fairly quickly. I mean, when you put a mulch on your, your soil, most of these things take you know, a season to break down, uh, and the, um, if it had been treated by, with something, um, uh, it would be a, in a very small amount in proportion to your growing system, and it's probably going to break down fairly quickly, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. I mean, am I speaking in favor of these things? No, I don't want, I don't know why anybody uses this stuff. 
you know, and uh, I, I wish we lived in a world where people didn't think it was so important everything, one particular color, that they would um, drench their uh, garden in one thing or another, or drench their lawn in one thing or another. Um, it's, it's just just a waste of money, and I just, just for the sake of something looking a certain way, I think the ecological impact doesn't make any sense, but I don't want to get in a, a soapbox here. Uh, I wish that's the world we live in, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, it, it just isn't, so getting off topic here. I don't worry about it, <laughs> it's the short version, and uh, if you are worried about it, uh, there's ways you can go about uh, getting around it. Um, also, I mean, it's, it's just about, uh, as I record this, I think Halloween's uh, in a few days, and um, usually, for some reason, Halloween, people buy bales of hay and put them on their front lawn with pumpkins. <laughs> I don't know why they do it, but they do it, especially in more affluent uh, neighborhoods. They'll buy a buy a bundle of hay that's probably like basically almost like an acre's worth <laughs> of grass um, so they can decorate their lawn and then when that's over they throw that away um, and that's like pretty valuable stuff you know it's an excellent mulch straw usually it's straw uh, so uh, I think it's a great time right after Halloween you know get up uh, leave for work an extra half hour early and make sure you got some room in your trunk and uh, you know, go uh, go scouting out the uh, skulking around in the more affluent neighborhoods, and you probably see uh, lots of straw and hay uh, at the end of the driveways of people, and you can just grab it. They don't want it; <laughs> they just bought it for a decoration. It's excellent stuff for your garden. Uh, anyway, just some thoughts about uh, improving soil, and sourcing mulches, and you know, it's all about. Uh, creating an environment that the living things in your, your soil system um, prefer, right? Giving the living things in your soil the conditions they prefer so they can proliferate, they can set up shop, and they can do their thing, right? The, the stuff going in them, there's stuff coming out of them, and they're moving around. And that moving around, I guess I didn't mention that, but that, that tilth you want in your soil, having your soil appear as though it has been tilled, it's all loose, right? Uh, that happens by virtue of the fact that you've got all those living things moving around in there. I'm always amazed at people, you know, wanting to kill the ants and kill this and kill that and the other thing. I mean, sure, if you've got some sort of stinging ant, like fire ants or something like that, it's a different, another thing. But uh, a good number of ants are kind of relatively benign in a the garden. They, they may, uh, you know... Uh, they may protect aphids in a garden, but if you sort out the aphids, uh, the ants will just move on to other things. They'll go back to just moving, making tunnels in your soil and, uh, you know, eating other things that aren't your plants. Um, so uh, on the whole, I'd say they're, they're beneficial. Um, anyway, uh, that's the secret to good soil. Get a mulch on there, keep it mulched, make it a place where all the different organisms that improve soil want to be, they can do their thing, and over time your soil will just get better and better and better. Don't expect it to all happen in one year. Um, these things can take time. I, I would say about two or three years is how long it really takes. Um, now you can shortcut all that by just working. If, if you were just mulching and doing nothing else, uh, as I said before, if you want to shortcut all of that, work some manure into it right away, and, and that'll move things along a lot faster. So, hope you found it interesting. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to help support the podcast, I've got sponsors, Bessie Seeds, Safest Gardening Products. If you're listening on YouTube, check out the description box. You can see their coupon codes and details where you can get discounts. 
And if you're uh, listening on the podcast website, just check out the show notes below the, you know, below the podcast. Um, and uh, for 2019, the, the this, I'm recording this in 2019. Those coupon codes are good for 2019. If they sell something that you need and you want to support the show, buy it from them and that'll help me. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please like, share, subscribe. Check out my podcast, MaritimeGardening.com. And until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden. Thanks for listening. <laughs>